0: thank you so much for your prayers, for your support. It's so good uh, to be back. And that video you did see, that is the Chiang Rai Training Center that uh, we have had the privilege as a church of praying for, of supporting, of actually building, help build it. And it's used specifically for the training of Chinese pastors, as Pastor Larry had pointed out. And... uh, This is a picture of all of uh, the pastors that were actually at the training, 110 pastors uh, were there. This is the fourth year we've done that. And then a week prior to that, Tracy and I were in the country of Bangladesh uh, doing the same thing with a different group of 35 pastors from Bangladesh. You're going to be hearing stories about all of that. And this is our team that traveled uh, to Thailand, just four of us. And you're going to also be hearing from them during this sermon. But take your Bibles right now. Turn to Matthew 25, if you would. And as you're turning there, let me just ask you a little question. When you wake up in the morning and you see yourself in the mirror, you know, who do you see? This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a parable that points out one of the ways that God sees you. This is one of the ways that the Lord wants us to see ourselves as more of as time goes on. Now, a parable is an earthly story that Jesus would tell to make a spiritual point. Typically, one spiritual truth would be the intention of a parable, and they're typically very profound truths as well, and the truth in this parable is not difficult to discern, nor are are the characters. We can easily see who the characters are. This is the parable of the talents. A talent is a sum of money. Matthew 25. Let's start at verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Well, the man is Jesus. He ascended into heaven, right? Who called his servants. We are his servants and entrusted his property to them. And the property will see his money. To one, he gave five talents of money to another two talents and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one who had two talents gained two more. The man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness The man with the two talents also came master. He said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came master. He said, I knew you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where i had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent and give it to him who has the one, uh, who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's not difficult to see the main point of this parable. It's summarized there. It's this. God calls every believer to be a good and faithful servant. You and I want to hear one day when we see Jesus, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, let me give you a definition of stewardship. Stewardship is giving away what God has given us so the kingdom of God grows and expands. Now, stewardship is a very common Old Testament and even New Testament concept in that economy. You remember Joseph in the Old Testament. He was the steward of Potiphar, the master. And, and Potiphar gave to Joseph all of that which he had in his estate. It, Joseph didn't own it just like everything we've been given from God. We don't own anything We just manage what God has put into our hands. Now, to kind of, you say, well, well, what do you mean? What has God put into my hands? Well, I'm going old school here, okay? Trying to be a good steward, all right? And so, this is what the Lord has put into our hands. He's given us our time. That's from the Lord. He's given us our talent. Yeah? He's given us our treasure. Now, the, the parable we're looking at right now is really focusing in on our, 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 our finances that God's given us, but when you look at stewardship as a whole throughout the Bible, it speaks of time, talent, and treasure, and all that we've been given, and a good and faithful steward is someone who is good and faithful at, watch this, giving away, investing what God has given to them so that the kingdom of God on earth grows, it, is, it expands, it is enlarged, in other words, the goal is to become a good and faithful steward. That, that's the goal. That's the whole point. So I, I thought I would maybe chart out for you what good and faithful stewardship looks like. We don't want to be a good and, uh, a steward that is kind of flatlined as time goes on with our time, talent, and treasure. Uh, we certainly do not want to be a steward where it's kind of going this way, the trajectory of our life with our time, talent, and treasure. This would be the bad steward in the parable, or I call him the sad steward. And whenever I think about that person, I think about Nancy Jones. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Nancy Jones, but Nancy Jones had a problem, she died. And someone was, you know, a reporter was sent to go do a story on her, and as he began to investigate her life, found out she didn't do anything really good, and Chelsea didn't do anything bad. And so he wrote this about her. He said, here lies the bones of Miss Nancy Jones, for her life held no tear. She lived an old maid, she died an old maid, no hits, no runs, no errors. And I remember hearing that. That's the only poem like I've memorized. I remember hearing that as a kid. And I remember going, I don't want the summary of my life. To be no hits, no runs, no errors. I'm going to make some errors, but I want to make some runs and some hits for the Lord Jesus Christ in my stewardship. The last type of steward is this good and faithful steward. Good means you're growing. Faithful means you're consistently going uphill when it comes to your time, talent, and treasure. Giving more and more. There's no perfect steward. There's only a steward that's progressing in the right direction. You say, Mark, how? How do I become this type of steward with my time, talent, and treasure, investing it into the kingdom of God, so I, it, I'm i growing, so it's going in this direction? Well, the parable tells us, which is so good. This morning, I want to give you from this parable illustrated with stories from our trip, uh, Three shifts in our thinking to grow as a good and faithful steward. See, we, it, it starts in the mind to be a good steward. Repeat after me. I do what I do. Oh, that's weak. Come on now. I mean loud. Okay, here we go. Ready? I do what I do. Because I think like I think. It's true. you do what you do because of the way you think. If you want to change your behavior, you have to address your thinking. The Bible says, as a, man, you know, we, as a man thinketh, he is. And one of the first things that a good steward needs to address is we need to overcome in our mind the dominant philosophy of our age. You say, what is the dominant philosophy of our age? It's this. Get all you can... Can all you get, sit on the can. <laughs> Think about it. That's what you've been taught since grade school. That's what all the commercials you see. Get all you can. Can all you get, baby, and then sit on the can. And it's like the, the guy with the biggest can when he dies wins, you know? I mean, we hear that. And we go, that is ridiculous. And yet, that is what the world teaches. That is the United States philosophy I was going to say in a nutshell, but it's in a can. It's true. There are three shifts in our thinking to overcome that philosophy and become a good steward that we want to look at this morning. The first shift in our thinking is this. We need to to shift our thinking from the temporal to the eternal. You see, if all we think about is the now, like my latte, uh, my cell phone, my gym membership, my job, my retirement portfolio, you're going to really struggle being a good and faithful steward. See, the bad or the sad steward in this parable, the master called him lazy because he was indifferent to the eternal things of God, indifferent to investing his time, talent, and treasure into the things that would grow the kingdom of God. Here's a principle. Good stewards are balanced, yet trending. You see, what do you mean? Well, they're balanced. They give attention to the now. I mean, you have to make a living. But as time goes on, they are trending. They shift more and more of their time, talent, and treasure into the eternal things of God, building God's kingdom on earth. The trajectory of their life is not flatlined, not that way. They are going up in terms of the time, talent, and treasure, giving more and more of it away the older they get, the more they grow in their faith. Here's something to think about. We need to think about our lives... Not just 30 years from today, but 30,000 years from today. See, you're going to be more alive 30,000 years from today than you are right now. We need to start thinking about eternity if you want to be a good steward. And this is what Jesus talked about all through the Bible. Matthew chapter 6, 19-20, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That is, don't just be thinking about the temporal. Where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Wow. Revelation twenty two twelve. 12, behold, I'm coming soon. The master's coming back. My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. See, your eternal reward will be a reflection of your stewardship while on earth. This is what the Bible teaches Heaven is free for every believer, but your eternal reward will be a reflection of your stewardship, what you did with your time, talent, and treasure, how you invested it. And you want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful steward. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, there are so many stories that I have for you about people we met in Bangladesh as well as in Thailand, these Chinese pastors, who their lives were fixed on the eternal. I mean, they were radical in their commitment to just the temporal is not where it's at. I'm going to live for the eternal, and it blew us away. And as it blows me away, I've been doing missions work for 30 years. So let me take you to Bangladesh to begin with um, and share with you a story. Now, Bangladesh is northeast uh, of India. <laughs> it, it is, uh, the traffic is crazy, just wild. These are some of the pictures I took. And uh, just, I mean, that's like a church staff, you know, going to a meeting. I don't know. Uh, look at that one, huh? Is that crazy? And we, we end up going to this baptismal service. I'm going to show you a picture here. You'll see it. I show up, and, and, and these are the Bibles we gave away to 150 people who came to be baptized to receive their first Bible, this is just one church that, in one year, saw 150 brand new Christians come to Christ, and and and, and let me just take you right to the video. Hey, three crosses. Guess what? I'm here in Bangladesh right now with your brothers and sisters. There's 150 brand new Christians that have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We're able to provide them with a Bible. Only half the Christians in Bangladesh even own a Bible, and so all these are being baptized today. We're able to present them with a copy of God's Word. Thank you for your support, for God's work all over the world, even here in Bangladesh. Now, let me show you the next picture, because this man is the reason we were there. He is our partner in Bangladesh. I'm going to call him Pastor B. That's not his real name. There's a lot of persecution of Christians in Bangladesh, and we just keep it that way. So, his story is, um, someone gave him a Bible. He didn't know anything about Jesus. Bangladesh has so many unreached people, it's unbelievable. Only 0.3% are even Christians in Bangladesh. So, to even hear about Christ is like really difficult to even hear the name of Jesus. And so, he received the Bible and he thought, well, what is this? And he he turned to the, he started in the book of Revelation. And he's like, I don't understand anything. And then he comes to Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the, your, your heart's door and I knock and right then Jesus is revealed to him, and he literally drops to his knees in repentance and trusts Christ as a Savior and Lord. And he's called into the ministry right then. He wants to begin telling people about this Jesus. And he finds a church and, and he's getting trained. And then he 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 feels like God is calling him to be a church planner. And he's in this one meeting and he's being trained. And, and someone said, Is there anyone that would like prayer? The leader said, and, and he said, yes. And he stood up and he goes, I need prayer because God has called me to be a church planter and I also need a wife. <laughs> <laughs> and so they prayed. And then after the meeting, the pastor, the leader came up to him and said, you know, I've got a daughter. <laughs> and he said, uh, if, if, if you want to meet her and she likes you and you like her, you can marry her. And he said, if this is your daughter, I don't even need to see her. I'll marry her right now and he said, you may want to see her first, <laughs> <laughs> and she may want to see you, and they, they, they saw each other, and their first meeting, of course, she's raised by a pastor, and she has a heart for God, the eternal, and she wants to serve God, and as they meet, uh, he tells her his vision, and it's going to be poor and difficult, and you know, because I'm a pastor, and he's telling her... And, and she goes, I just have one question. And this is what, she goes, I have one question. Do you have electricity? <laughs> She's like, I'm willing to sacrifice everything to follow Jesus. And even if you don't have electricity, I'll still marry you. But this started 10 years ago, their relationship, and these are our partners there. Now, in, in January of 2016, his name, his real name, was put in the newspaper as one of the pastors to either flee the country or be killed. Publicly this was put up. In March of 2016, his co-pastor was killed. I saw his body, it was gruesome. Pastor B buried his co-worker. And everyone's coming up to Pastor B and saying, you need to flee. You need to get out of this country. You're going to, and, and he's like, you don't know how discouraging that is for me because God has called me to, re- why would I want to flee? There are millions of people who need Christ here. And this is what he said. This was his quote. He said this, no, this is where God has called me. And if I die, I die. This is what he told me. This is called someone who is living, not for the temporal, but the eternal. This is what it takes to be a good steward. This is our brothers and sisters around the world. We are just so soft as Americans. We just are. Let me take you to a Chinese pastor. His name is David. It's a picture of him. China is atheistic. They reject religion, and they persecute religion. He he, he went into the army, and one night he got drunk, really plastered, and his co-soldiers brought him back to the barracks. And he woke up and puked. And he realized he was a sinner. Somehow God revealed himself in all his filth. And he literally surrendered his life to Christ right then. He needed to know what it meant. He found a church somehow. And he started growing in his faith. And, and, and just preaching everywhere. And, and with 16 others, they were sent to an unreached people with a one-way ticket. And they went there, and God blessed that ministry. And on their way back, they're singing praises to God, and they're arrested by the Chinese police. They are thrown into a prison, and for 15 days they were beaten brutally every day. And he shared with me, uh, as we were beaten, he goes, this is the miracle, all 15 days, we never felt any pain. Never any pain. I asked him, I said, so what would you say, David, if someone came to you and said, here you are serving God and you get thrown into prison, you get beaten, what would you say to him? And this is what he said to me. This is his quote. He said, I am not ashamed to suffer for Jesus. All that happens is for God's glory. I'm just sitting there going, Lord, this is called a focus on the eternal, the glory of God, not just temporary what's going on in my life. Now, my wife Tracy's going to come up because she's going to share and add a little bit to this story, that I think you'll be encouraged. As Mark was uh, interviewing Pastor David, his wife was sitting off to the side, and um, she was saying something. So there was another translator in the room, and I said, "What is what's his wife saying?" And at the moment when they were being arrested, she was not arrested her
1: first thought was am i not worthy enough to be arrested you know for my faith that was her first thought as she's holding her infant son in her
0: arms the reason they didn't arrest her is because she had an infant son but her first thought was am i lord not counted worthy enough to be arrested with my brothers and sisters in the faith mm. wow that's living for the for eternity that's amazing that perspective and I just was blown away by that testimony. Hmm. Thank you, baby. Give her a hand, huh? You know, we're, we're talking about how to grow as a good and a favor. It starts by saying, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be balanced. Yeah, I need to make a living, but I'm not going to live for this life, for just the temporal. It's about eternity and, and, and thinking deeply about that and ordering your life accordingly, there's a second shift that we need to make, and it's a shift in our thinking from the twisted to the true is what I call it. Now watch this. If, if we possess a twisted or inaccurate or distorted view of God, we're going to struggle to become good stewards. A.W. Tozer said, what comes in our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What's most important about you is what you think about God when you think about God. Because from that, everything flows. Your stewardship, everything can be determined about your life on the basis of your view of God. The sad steward in this parable said, I knew you to be a harsh man. God is so far from being harsh. He's benevolent and kind and generous. He's blessed us beyond measure with our time, talent, and treasure, and everything else we have in life. 1 Chronicles twenty-nine fourteen says, everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Think of all the blessings you have from God. God is so good and kind and benevolent. Good stewards cultivate, watch this, a true and accurate view of God, not a distorted view of God. Meet Pastor Nelson. For 20 years, he served in Bangladesh as an imam in the Islamic faith, which is the equivalent of a pastor to us. He was a leader, a respected teacher of the Islamic faith. And yet, into 20 years, he realized there is no redemption, there is no forgiveness that Islam offers, and it does not. There's no such thing as the concept of redemption, forgiveness, grace in Islam. And this bothered him. So he knew one person in, in the whole area that he thought might be a Christian. He went to him and he said, Do you have a Bible? And the man was afraid because this man was very powerful. And he said, no, no, no. And he goes, no, you don't need to be afraid. I'm just looking for the truth. And the man gave him a Bible, and he read it. And he came to John 14, 6. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said this in his quote. He said, Jesus alone can give salvation. I will trust you, Jesus. And he surrendered his life to Christ. He was greatly persecuted, of course, kicked out from being an imam. His whole family uh, kicked him out as well. And yet, he, his whole perspective of who God was became true, and it changed the whole trajectory of his life and his stewardship. And now he's planted the church, started the church of 200, and he's also started four other churches. And his life is going this way because he now has a true view of God, not some distorted, strange view of God. I'll give you another twisted to true shift that needs to take place in our thinking. If we possess a twisted or inaccurate or distorted view of giving, it's going to be really hard for us to become a good steward. So let me give you a true accurate statement that the Bible teaches about giving. The Bible says this in Acts 20, 35, if you say, if you agree with this, I want to hear you say amen at the end of it. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's what the Bible teaches. It's way more blessed to give than to receive. That's not what the world teaches. The world says, get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can. The Bible is the polar opposite. If you want to be a good steward, you've got to believe the total opposite of what the world teaches. The pathway to happiness and joy in this life and in the life to come is giving away your time, talent, and treasure, not putting it in a can. And you give it away to grow the kingdom of God. The saddest people in the world are those who live for themselves. A recipe for sure depression is get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. The sad steward The Bible says he had a twisted view of giving, and he went away very sad. The good stewards, they went away full of joy, hearing their master say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we need to remember that the pathway to temporary and eternal happiness and joy is giving away more and more of our time, talent, and treasure. That has to change in your mind. If that doesn't, you are going to be flatlined or this direction at best, beloved, (laughs) It starts here. What do you really believe about God? What do you believe about giving? Is it Christian or is it the culture of the United States that has taken you on a trip away from what the Bible teaches? Hmm, something to think about, huh? James, why don't you come up here now? It's my son James, and uh, yeah, give him a hand, he's going to tell a story.
1: I want to tell you guys about uh, my buddy, Pastor Shang. As you guys saw earlier, there was over 100 pastors there, but for some reason, this guy stuck out to me. He's a little bit shorter than me, but he's a little fireball. Um, He was so energetic. He was so happy. He had the biggest smile on his face all week long, and right off the bat, I was like, I want to get to know this guy, and the second day, um, he came up to me with a piece of paper, handed it to me, and I gave it to one of our translators, and she began reading it, and she's like, wow, this is really good. This is his poetry, and, uh, and so I just, I love music, I love lyrics, I love poetry. And so I was like, I got to sit down with this guy. I really want to hear his story. And so um, he began sharing his story to me. And, and on top of all the pressures and struggles it is to be a Christian, let alone a pastor in China, um, he began opening up about his, uh, more of his personal story as well. Just growing up in a very poor family out in rural China and has never had a lot to his name. Um, he was talking about um, as well, uh, having, struggled with night terrors for years as a teenager and, uh, and he also talked about how his, his firstborn, a son, uh, was born healthy and then eight days later died. And, and that was on a Saturday afternoon. And he went to church the next day and preached a message um, on Abraham, dedicating his son to Isaac and sharing with his congregation, saying, this is what we need to be like. We need to be dedicating the best of who we are um, to God, the things that are most precious to us. We need to hold with an open hand and, and honor God and dedicate it to the Lord. And after him sharing his story, um, I just asked him, I said, Pastor Shang, I was like, why do you write poetry? And he said, it's not what I write. It's not what I want. It's not about me. I keep a notepad with me always. And whenever I feel God tugging at my heart, I begin to write what comes to my heart. It is really God's moving and leading. It is not me. It's God. Man. And when, after he shared that, I was like, that's how I need to see my talents, it is a gift from God it's not about building me up in my kingdom it's about building God up in his purposes Um, and so after hearing his story and reading his poem and and hearing why he writes poetry um, his poem was that much more beautiful to me and so this is um, the poem that he handed me God's children laugh loud wherever they go there is home they have a good Abba father we walk everywhere with you There is home everywhere. We won't take a cup of tea from others, yet our life is still good. We pull our little cart of possessions. God's blessings are endless. No worries and concerns. Just give your heart to him. He will lift you high, not low.
0: Mm. Amen. Thanks, buddy. So if we're going to be this good steward, good and faithful steward, it's going to take some shifts in our thinking, shifting from the temporary to the eternal shifting from what's twisted about God and giving to what is true that the Bible teaches. And thirdly, we need to shift in our thinking from what I call self-made to God-made. You see, if we follow our own idea of good stewardship, we're going to struggle. We've got to say to God, God, help me to follow your way. The sad steward, he went and hid his sum of money, right, in the ground. He didn't watch this, get that strategy from God. He followed his own way, and he received a rebuke. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Some of us, we are self-made success stories in the eyes of the world, and that's good. My question for you is, are you a God-made success story in the eyes of God? The only thing that's going to matter one day is when you stand before the Lord and what you want to hear is you have been successful to Him, that He will say, well done, thou good and faithful steward. Let me tell you the story about Andre. Andre attended our church. He came through discipleship and I got to know him in seminar 301. And it was there that I discovered Andre's talent, that he lectured Fortune 500 Business, business executives. And he did this for a very prestigious company all over the United States. And I called him up I and said, Andre, is this what you do for a living? And he said, yes. And I said, Andre, would you please come in and teach my Sunday school class this Sunday on what the Bible teaches about stewardship and using your expertise? And he said, I would be honored to do that. I can't believe that you would asked me to do that? I go, of course. And he came in, and he taught, and it was incredible. A month later, Andre had a heart attack, and he died. I did his funeral. At his funeral were all these executives from all over the place. He was well-respected. And at the end of that funeral, his wife got up, and this is what she said. She goes, Andre was an amazing man a very successful man. You're here because you love him. But Andre shared with me that the greatest day in his life is when he was able to take his talent and use it for the kingdom of God when he taught in his church and gave back. Yeah. You have time, talent, and treasure. It's not yours. It's given to you on loan from God. God. And you and I are called not to be flatlined, not to, we're to be going up as time goes on, giving more and more away. The good stewards in this parable, I don't believe I'm reading too much into the parable, they listened to God and invested their sums of money wisely according to God's plan for their lives, and they received a commendation from God. One of the principles of good stewardship is listening to God and just doing what God asks you to do with your time, talent, and treasure. Meet Barnabas. Here's Barnabas. Barnabas is the head of Barnabas and Partners. And uh, the first day of our meeting, uh, there was a very touching moment when Barnabas uh, took this cross, which I'm, there it is. And he, during the worship, and to hear the Chinese pastors worship, it's victorious and it's powerful. And they were singing about the cross, and Barnabas saw this old wooden cross at the back of, of, of the, the, the conference center, and he walked up holding the cross. And when you hold up the cross in China, you are saying, I'm willing to die for Jesus Christ. And I'm looking at this man, I'm going, this is the leader for the church, for all these pastors. And I go, and I'm like, that's awesome. And later Barnabas told me this quote. He said, the most important thing to do is to follow the Holy Spirit's lead. Let me ask you a question. What's the most important thing about your life? Is it following the Holy Spirit's lead? When it comes to your time, talent, and treasure, watch this. You will never regret following the Holy Spirit's lead, but you can regret not following the Holy Spirit's lead. Good stewardship, watch. Good stewardship is not legalism. It's not, okay, check that box. I give 5% of my money to the Lord or 10%. Good stewardship is training your ear to listen to the voice of God so that as you go through life, just not on Sundays, but as you go through life, you're investing your time, talent, and treasure constantly, every single day, 365 days a year, into the kingdom of God. It's always listening to God. Being in a posture where you're hearing from Him. How do I determine the the countries where I travel to? I listen to God. I pray and I fast and I say, Lord, speak to me and then lead me me out. Just like you do. Every day of your life when you get up, it's about investing time, talent and treasure for the kingdom. Saying, Lord, lead me into this day. There's some things I just going to be honest with you that the Lord is speaking to myself and Tracy about in our stewardship. Before Christmas, uh, before I left on this trip, the Lord was speaking to me about giving a guy $500 that I haven't seen in in 15 years. (laughs) I'm like, are you sure, Lord? after four times, I said, okay, and I wrote out that check. I'm not putting myself up as some example. This is normal Christianity. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You hear the Lord speak, and it's about your time, talent, and treasure, and you obey Him. This is what stewardship is about. We've set a goal. Uh, Tracy and I, to give away more money each year to our church and missions than the year before. And we've been doing that year after year after year. Why do we do that? Because not one reason, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about that. We are listening to God about our time, talent, and treasure. We've set up our family trust so that one half of everything we own when we die goes to our three boys, the other half goes to this church, and it goes to missions. You say, why? Why? Because God is speaking to us, and I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, this is an embarrassing one about how God's speaking to me. (laughs) I just turned 55, which means I'm a senior. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That that hurt just to say that, because I know you're looking at me and going, Mark, you don't look a day over 30. I mean, come on now, you know. (laughs) So my wife, Tracy, she comes up to me and says, hey, Mark, uh, you need to go to Ross for on Tuesdays for 10% off Tuesday. <laughs> and I'm thinking, there ain't no way I'm going into Ross for 10%. There's no way. And then the Lord's saying, whose money is that anyway, Mark? You don't own anything. That might be a good steward to go in there to Ross. And I'm like, my pride. And this is my nightmare. I'm can't, just being honest. My nightmare is uh, I'm in line at Ross and I'm, I'm counting the people. And I'm like man, I'm going to go up to that teller and, and then I'm going to say I'm a senior and I'm here for my... <laughs> and he's going to get on the loudspeaker. He's going to say, ladies and gentlemen, we got a brand new senior citizen here <laughs> claiming his 10%. Can we give him a round of applause, you know? This is kind of, yeah, I'm a little weird, okay? I mean, this is what's going on, you know? I'm jet-lagged, okay? But I'm thinking, this might happen, you know? And then they're going to say, all right, we need to see your ID, and I won't have ID. And then they're going to kick me out of Ross, (laughs) and I'll never go back, you know? I'm just saying this. God will lead you if you listen to him. He will. We need to shift our thinking from being self-made, doing life our way to God's way which is Christianity 101 by the way. That's 101. You just listen to the Lord and follow Him with your time, talent, and treasure. The 110 Chinese pastors we spent four days with at the conference, they're so dedicated and sold out, so all in to following God's lead. It's incredible. And uh, even when it came to watch this, games. See, we, we taught eight hours a day, four days straight, and they're all in, but then we had games. I mean, fun stuff, and Barnabas was going, Mark, these, these, these pastors, they need, they need to have fun too, and believe me, we bring the fun. I want you to see a video right now of a fun moment, then Austin Foxworthy, our children's pastor, is going to come up. Here's the fun video. Check it out. I right, here Ready, set, go. <laughs> <Come> on, <guys.
2: laughs> So much fun. But the one big thing that I met, or one person I met, his name was Pastor Lee, and he was amazing, as you could see up there. Little older guy, kind of like Mark, senior citizen. <laughs> and his heart was just on fire for Jesus. He has an amazing testimony, but like one of the biggest things that touched me was he was playing the game every time. He was always up there. It wasn't that wasn't him with the arm wrestle, but he was up there for every single game. And of course, it's the first game I lead. I say, hey. Who wants a dollar and then oh, everyone comes up I'm like all right this is what you got to do you got to jump over it and i put it on the ground but you got to hold your toes so i tell them to grab their toes and everyone's jump trying to jump over it, and they're failing they're failing they're failing and then pastor lee comes grabs his toes does his wimpy jump and doesn't let go of his toes and just goes boom right on the ground just face plant it was just like oh my goodness, like, everyone's laughing, everyone's having a good time, and you, like, look at his face, look like you just got rocked, he's just like, whoa, and, like, he <laughs> sits down, and later that day, he goes to the hospital because he broke his collarbone, and you're just like, oh, my goodness, like, you know, me, I'm like, oh, man, this is bad, you know, just like, oh, this is the worst, like, if that was me, my day would be shot, the whole trip is done, like, and he, you know, obviously, a couple of seminars, he took, went to sleep, but he just came back and he wanted to learn. And just hearing his testimony, like, just he's a praying man. And his church was going to get bulldozed. But he stood in front of the bulldozer and just prayed. You know, and just like, are you kidding me? Like, that's how we are. And, like, you know, it was just so powerful, just so moving. Like, these Chinese pastors, all of them, including Pastor Lee, just have a heart for Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is so powerful there. But it just, it just moved my heart so much. It's awesome. Thanks a awesome. Thanks, buddy. Mm.
0: William Barclay, there's a quote. Look at this. There are two great days in every person's life, the day you were born and the day you discover why. This sermon is about discovering why you were born. You want to know why you were born as God looks at you? To be a good and faithful steward with your time, talent, and treasure. The question is, are you going to realize that as a Christian? And there are so many stories, even from our own church, of great stewardship. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, I'm at Cross Streets here before I went on this trip, and I meet a man who's serving, handing out Christmas you know, gifts, and he said this, quote, I tried life my way, now I'm living God's way, and I'm here today, this big smile on his face, serving, giving away Christmas gifts to the underprivileged, and he's there with his wife and three, three teenage girls. And I'm going, that is giving away. Another man told me, I always keep a little money in my pocket to help the needy. Before I left for Asia, I just said to a few people, hey, it would be great if we could raise some money to give all these Chinese pastors a study Bible. And $2,300 more came in than what we needed, and that was the money needed to buy the 150 Bibles there in Bangladesh. It's like, God just, this is a church filled with people who are good stewards. There are 1,300 people in this church that serve using their talent in an area of ministry you guys just give. I mean, I'm paid to be good. You're good for nothing, you know? (laughs) And just great stewards that are giving away their life. As time goes on, are you growing this way? Meet Pastor John. One more story. John grew up in a rural area. From 17 to 24 years of old, he was uh, in a gang, and he enjoyed beating up people. One day, he beat up a guy so bad, put him in the hospital, thought he was going to die. And his wife, who is a Christian, he used to make jokes at her. She began to pray for this guy in the hospital, and God healed him, and he, did, God healed him, and he didn't sue John. And John said, there is a God. I'm going to put my faith in that God, which he did trusted Christ as a Savior and Lord, and he felt called to begin sharing the gospel. Where he lived, there was no training. There was one training. He received seven days of training. And then he felt, 12 years ago, led by God to start a church in his village. And he's telling me the story. And he goes, but I don't know much. I've only had seven days total training in my entire life as a Christian. And I, go, and I said, John, what, how, what's the size of your church? He goes, a hundred. I go, you mean there's 100 people in your church? And you could tell he kind of said it to me a little bit sheepishly. And I said, John, I go, that is incredible. You know, the average size of a church in the United States is 90 people? And his niece was at the table as we're talking, and she, tears are coming down her eyes. You can tell, he, tears are, he doesn't feel like he has much to give away. And I'm like, John, you are God's man for that church for this hour. And, and he's being encouraged. And I said, John, what is God's call for your life? And this is what he said. He said, the greatest call is to give away what God has given me, even though it is not much. And I said, John, great will be your reward. That is God's call for all of us, to give away what God has given us, time, talent, and treasure, even though it is not much. Little boy, story. He's sitting in church, just like this on a Sunday. God is speaking to his heart. It's beautiful worship. And the time comes for the offering. And the offering plate comes into his hands. But he has no money. He's looking. There's nothing. What is he going to do? He wants to respond to God. And he takes that plate. He gets an idea. And he stands up. And he walks down through the aisle. And he sets he it down in the middle of the aisle. And he steps into the plate. Have you put yourself into the plate? That's where stewardship begins, beloved. This is what it's all about. Put yourself in the offering plate every single day. Because watch this. The day will come where it will be your last day to put yourself in the offering plate. And then you will go home to be with Jesus. And when you see Jesus, one thing and only one thing is going to matter. Him saying, well done, thou good and faithful steward. Enter into the joy of your master. Let's pray.